Sakpase, Sakpase listeners, welcome back to another episode of Zoview. I am your co-host, Bo, and uh, welcome back for another week of the episode of the podcast. Before we get started, I want to say, you guys, thank you for all the birthday wishes to all the listeners. And I remember last episode, I told everybody to, everybody that fuck with me, cash at me $3. And I fuck with everybody who actually cash at me $3, two $3 for my birthday. And I want to give a special thanks to you guys because I came up with 40 bucks. I think like, and I was shocked because I was like, and this is just off of like people from the podcast alone. So I want to shout out to y'all because I was I was curious. And um, what did I do with that 40 bucks? I know I got gas. I just don't remember what else I got for it. So shout out to y'all. And October is still here, so I'm still accepting any other gifts. God will bless you very much. Thank you. Uh, before uh, we go get started, I have a um, special guest here. And this is someone that I don't know personally, but it's just that I don't know how I end up following her on Instagram. I don't know if somebody referred me to you or what, but I know when I started following, I like the stuff you was talking about and you have something here to promote. So that's what we're here to talk about primarily. So I'm gonna let her introduce herself. Hi everyone. Hi Zoview. Uh, this is Joel McNally. Here, I want to thank you both for having me on here. It's a pleasure and a great honor to be here. Um, I am a children's author. I have two books that I've written um, about Colin Kaepernick and his movement in the NFL. Uh, My two books are called The Hero in the Helmet, Colin Kaepernick, and its sequel is called B is for Brotherhood. And recently, I just uh, released the national curriculum at the third and fourth grade level to assist the readings i'm also a motivational speaker and i have a background in behavioral therapy and substance abuse counseling wow that is a lot (laughs) that is great and i and i'm not gonna i realize it is wrong to ask a woman their age so i'm not gonna ask you but i want to say that all this in your resume i would assume without looking at your face Somebody like that is somebody who's over 35 and you don't look, you look, you don't look a day over 25. I just want to put that out there. Oh. I don't know what the age is. I just want to put that you, out there. Both trying to get brownie points. That's beautiful. <laughs> that's beautiful. We're going to go with that. We're going to go with 25. That is the magic number. And that's funny you say that because I really tell people I'm 25 until I'm 50. And when I'm 50, I'll be 30. So the world will never know. Never know. <laughs> the world will never know. That's cool. That's cool. I have a magic <laughs> magic plan in my head where I'm like, if I could look how I look now till 50, I don't mind. Knock on wood. I don't wish it. But I don't mind if I die at 51. Just because <laughs> just because what? if I'm able to look how I look now till I'm 50, I've lived a good life. <laughs> Dead ass. I've lived a good life. <laughs> Dead I lived a good life because like... I've over the past year or two, I've literally, I'm not going to say cut off, but cut back on a lot of things that has. As far as eating and stuff, eating and drinking. Yeah. As far as things I put into my body, like, and I noticed the difference. I feel better. Yes. And I noticed the difference between me doing that, like, and then like other friends that I had that me and them had the same eating habits back then. And I see the difference with them. Yeah, you can age faster, definitely, too. And just even drink, like, people undermine drinking water or eating your water, cucumbers, all that kind of stuff. Oh, my God. 
You Tell know, me put about some it, water in your body. Tell you me know? about it. Listen, I've I've had back and forth with like literally thousands of people on Twitter about my rant on water. But that <laughs> that happened a year ago. And even to this day I still have situations like that. But that's we're not we're gonna go past that. I literally I, if I'm not mistaken, I literally remember we had a I had a podcast episode about this because people was coming at me because I think I don't remember how it went, but I know I mentioned something about women that wear makeup a lot to yeah. cover off their fucked up face. Not in oh. I, I wasn't saying it didn't come out like it didn't say I didn't say it like that. But it's like overall oh. the gist of what I was trying to say is that you know, half of you guys are wearing the makeup because you're trying to cover up how messed up your face is. And if you could just start by drinking water, maybe right. that make your job much much more easier. You can get to the root of the problem. And yeah. as a woman, I'm gonna have to actually agree with you. Like I, you know, I love makeup and all that stuff, but I, I like it's makeup is supposed to enhance your look. It's not supposed to change who you are and make you look to a whole different person. Thank you. Thank so it's, you know, it's like adding an accessory. If you put on earrings, your, your face is going to dramatically change. Or if you, if you, um, you know, you, you, I thread my eyebrows. If you get an eyebrow thread, that, that dramatically changes your face, but, or it enhances your face, but it shouldn't change your entire look. Putting pounds and pounds of makeup on, I've never been an advocate of that. So I have, don't feel bad because I have women who are against me too, because I advocate against that. Be yourself, be you, be, let your face breathe. Like, exactly. I wear makeup every day, no way. Exactly, exactly. So I say that, but then I also remember that the valuable lesson I learned from that is because, um, is that thank God I do a podcast because there's certain things I, there's a lot, I say some wild shit on Twitter. But there's certain things I say on Twitter I realize I'd rather say it on a podcast because yeah. it, it, it hits different when you hear it versus you reading it. Yeah, that's true. And then people can assume their own tone, their own thing, you know, when they're reading versus when, when you're hearing, you know. Yeah, yeah. Reading. And then there, yeah. Be, there be days I still don't care and I still tweet what I want to tweet, how I want to tweet it. <laughs> but there's, I've been more conscious of, you know what, because I realize that what I'm going to tweet is going to have a lot of back and forth. And yeah. just for this day. I'm busy, so I don't feel like going back and forth with people. So I'll just save it for the podcast. That's literally what will stop me sometimes. Because I remember times where I've been on vacation. And I'm like, okay, I'm finna wild out. <laughs> on purpose. So you know, I have to, I have to increase my Twitter presence. Oh, that's really it. Yeah, I be just wilding out sometimes, and um, half the time is just to see where everybody at. And then yeah, Twitter is a different world. I realize that I have to tell people, yo, this ain't real life. Yeah. As much people as you see on Twitter, I promise you, there's about a hundred times more people that's not on Twitter. So that just to give you an idea what how it's not real life. Right. But people take social media very seriously. Yeah. The only time I think people should take it seriously if they if that's where their social income. If not, I don't see why you should. Personally. Yes. And also to you know as if also for influence in well because you know there's good and bad influence. So, like, social media, Twitter, whatever platform that you want to use, I think is also useful for things like, you know, political debates or political uh, information. That that stuff could save somebody's life. That There's a lot of stuff that people will not read on their own, sadly to say. Oh, yeah. I'm, so, I, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm number one at that. Like, I mean, I love social media. Like, I always tell people social media is not bad. It's your timeline that's bad. Like, Correct. One of the greatest thing about social media is that you control what you see. Correct. Like, if you're tired of, like, just the other day, I could have sworn I muted the word Kanye West off Twitter, but I still seen it on my timeline. 
So I had oh, to go God. back and like do something else because I'm like, there's two words I I've never mute something on Twitter. There's two words I mute on Twitter: Kanye West and Donald Trump. I can't with either one. And I so. think because I think because I don't know how that shit landed back on my timeline. But I always tell people like one of the beautiful thing about social media is that you're in control of what you see. Like That's if you right. don't want to see certain things, all you gotta do is unfollow. Unfollow, mute, whatever block, it is. I don't mute. whatever. I don't normally mute because if I'm gonna, I might as well unfollow you if I'm gonna mute you. What's the point of that? No, that's true. But yeah, like, but I appreciate social media because there's certain, there's a lot. I learn more from social media than I would ever thought I would learn from an app like that, ever. Yeah, because you're you're following, you're being intentional about who you're following. Yeah. And that's how I am. I don't, I don't just have anybody on my friends list or you know things like that like i'm very educational i, I also teach you know i'm a, i'm even though i'm a writer and I, i'm an author I'm, I'm a teacher by nature and i and i work with the children so i can't just be having any and everything on my page and you know also yeah. vulgarity i hate the social media like you said well not social media itself but you see people you're following or things like that they sometimes make social media so vulgar and i actually just said, said something about that the other day you know, some of y'all make social media so vulgar and disgusting. Oh, yeah. Um, I can't have that on my page all day. I, I, I can't. Yeah, I, I have an issue with that, too. Like, um, I follow some people, speaking of t- uh, Twitter-wise, I follow some people, yeah. and they love to retweet porn on the timeline. Yeah, I'm good on that. Like, I'm cool I'm cool with you tweeting one or two points. I'm cool with that. But if it's, like, midday, 2 p.m., I'm on my lunch break, I'm chilling. And then I see just a big ass booty just bouncing on my phone, and I'm not—I don't know who's behind me. I like there's certain people I had to like unfollow. Like I remember I used to follow this dude that had a, a foot fetish, and what? I didn't know he had a foot fetish because I'm like, damn, Yo, Bo, you really are killing me right now, for real. Yeah, like I was keeping—I kept seeing the. I'm like, yo, who is sucking? Like I keep seeing people sucking toes in my time. I'm like, bro. I'm not. I like my toes, but I don't. I don't have a foot fetish. <laughs> Some people think because I have my toes out all the time, I have a foot fetish. I do not. I repeat, I do not have a foot Don't fetish. Repeat. Yo. But like, no, I had to unfollow this no. dude because I kept seeing too many people sucking toes on my timeline. No, see, that's a dub. So it's just things like that. Just uh-uh. certain things like that. Like, don't OD. The only thing is just that I, I don't like people who OD. Even in pictures, like I follow people that if you posting like ten pictures a day, all right, you gotta go. Yeah, cause you don't. What, like, come on. What do you have going? If if you're posting pictures and I know that you're um, in business, it's marketing. Then that's a little different. But if you just sit out here posting pictures, just for what? For what? Exactly. Yeah. Like no. I, they gotta go. Like that's just me. I don't have nothing against them. It's just the fact that I'm in control. So I just go ahead and unfollow. That's all it is. That's that's right. That's all it is. So, all right. <laughs> we went off a little bit. I just wanted to get that out. And get comfortable. Now let's get that to the nitty gritty. You have a book out. Can you please share with us? Give us an intro of everything of the children's book. The book. Okay. So my first book, The Hero in the Helmet, Colin Kaepernick, came out in 2018. Um, by then, Colin Kaepernick had already started his kneeling for about two years because he started in 2016. Damn, is it 2016? Yes. Shit, it's yes. gonna be four years. Yes, that it, let that let that settle. That let that marinate. Like that is really wild. That this is man wild. has been blackballed out of the NFL. Cannot play 
with all these trash back quarterbacks for kneeling. Mm-hmm. So, um, I am a big sports fan. Basketball is my favorite sport. Actually, a lot of people don't know that, but I played um, collegiate sports. I had a chance to play overseas, and I, you know, I, my, I, I rerouted my direction and got my master's instead. So you, you got um, a chance to play overseas, and you didn't. Yes. I, I turned down the offer. My mother was very upset about that. Really? Wait, isn't your, is, are both of your parents Haitian? Yes. And your mom, I'm surprised because Haitian moms normally, they want you to stay close and they don't want you to go nowhere. Well, you know, I grew up a little differently. I grew up a little, I grew up a little bit like a rebel. Okay. Um, so my, my, um, and I, and I, I don't say that in a bad way because you know, the, the word rebel has a, a, a negative connotation, uh-huh. but I think that some people who are rebellious or who are looked at as rebels or extremists, whatever you want to call it, sometimes they grow up to be the change that, you know, their family, community, the world at large. Yeah, actually that is a fact. I just, a uh, quick note, sorry to cut you off. I That's just, okay. I recently finished reading a book about Fidel Castro. Yeah. Um, and that was his upbringing, and and I like to read books about great leaders, and like yes, and that's one of the things they all have in common. Yes, they was knuckleheaded. There's no other way to put it. Yeah, they you were. know Malcolm X. Look at Malcolm X's story before he became Malcolm X or the Malcolm X we know. You so, know yeah. Martin Luther King. These people were jailed. Uh, and plus, you know. to be to be different in this world, you literally got. Like, I get it because, like, you can't do the same thing that everybody else is doing and expect to be different. That's like, you know, that's, I'm not going to say it's not possible, but it's less likely. Exactly. Yes. And and I was, I'm I'm a first generational student in my family. So I was the first to go to college, first to, you know, graduate with my my bachelor's and then my master's. Um, So... So to bring up the point about, (laughs) oh, you know, your parents being Haitian, um... My mom, they weren't with that. My mom especially was not with that. So I was actually 17 when I left my house to go to school and I was living on campus. Now, you know, as Haitians, they don't like that. They don't want that campus talk. They don't want but that, especially as a girl. I, I realize girl, girls got it. Girls absolutely. had it worse. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of the things, they didn't experience them themselves, but they hear about it. And a lot of that stuff is false information. Not to say that college is not wild, no. because college is a lot like social media. College it is can wild. be wild, college but it depends on you, like what you want to do and if you have the focus to be there or, you know, what you're going to make out of college depends on you. Really. I, I always say um, college is for parents that are scared like, or don't want their kids going to college. I blame the the parents. The parents got to take blame for it because I'm like, yo. At the end of the day, you know how you raise your kid. Yes, at the right. end of the day, the kid is gonna make their own decisions. But if you're confident exactly. on how you raise your kid, because you, you hit the nail on the head. Yeah, because I'm like, I'm for I was first generation too, and I remember, and I had a different upbringing also. Like I didn't really grow up with my parents. I grew up with okay. my aunt and my uncle. Okay. And I remember one of the things that my uncle told me before I left because I left at 18. I haven't okay. been back ever since. So. I remember when he yeah, went, like, my auntie wanted, didn't want me to go. He didn't care. The only thing okay. I remember him saying, you know, he's a guy. So <laughs> guys don't really give other guys the pep talk about that type of stuff. I remember one of the right, major right. things he said was like, yo, like, we know how he raised you. Just go up there. Do what you got to do first. Right, right, like, There's right. nothing more. For, I remember vividly. I too. mean, that sounds like sound advice to me. Yeah, it's like, yo, 
and to, and I, if I talk to him today about that, he probably won't even remember that. But I remember him saying, "Yo, do what you got to do there first, because we know how you raise, how we raised you." Right. And, but at the end of the day, it's on you to make your own decision to be the your decisions own. Decisions about life. My mom was very, very upset about it. She, I mean, she had other people, of course, in her ear, other Haitian people. But that's the thing about it is, and I, I had to realize that very early. And I think I. I attribute this to what I say is my calling and my anointing because I feel like purpose for the work that I do. And I, I had a I had a knowing and like an understanding at a very young age that I was the different one in my family or like the black sheep and, I, and, and that I needed to, that it was like basically like it was going to be up to me to change the trajectory of, of the way that our family, is you know, me. does family. And also break a lot of generational curses that plagued our family. So, like I said, before me, there was no college graduate. So I made it my business that moving forward that no one else could say that. Like, my, I don't have any children of my own yet, but I have nine nieces and nephews. That's going to be important for them to know that somebody grew up, went to college and graduated. And when I have children, I want them to, you know, they, they ought to stand on my shoulders and do better than I did. So... I had that knowing and I had that instinctual feeling and, and also I was very adamant that that, that was going to be me. That was going to be my story. So against the odds of my mom, you know, not wanting to go, my mom and my father had already divorced by that stage already and my father was living in New York and my mom was living in Florida and of course I was staying with my mom um, but there wasn't really much that she could do because like I said, I got a scholarship to play ball. So she wasn't paying for my school and I kind of played on that. Well, since you're not paying for it, I'm not, <laughs> you know, I got um, you because that was my escape, too, because I had a scholarship and I was like, yo, I'm going because I got a scholarship. That's I need to always throw that out there. Right. Because if I as long as you throw that out there, like they can't combat they that. Can't, exactly. There's, there's nothing that you can really say. It can be upset, but you're really not paying for it. So it's not really your call. And um, in retrospect. There's, there might be people listening, you know, that might say, well, that's disrespectful to Santa Third. But really, like I said before, you you have to sometimes defy the odds and do what some people are not willing to do to go where people are not willing, uh, you know, can't go. And so when I graduated my when I graduated my bachelor's, my mom understood that, OK, this girl really had something in her mind. She really, you know, was set out to finish and she did what she was um she was called to do and also what i what i did to to make my mom more at ease is i would come home on you know holidays just to let her know that i you know i'm here i'm chilling i'm like i'm good you know what i mean like i'm yeah, not yeah. what school did you go to i went to southern vermont in bennington bennington bennington, bennington vermont jesus christ yeah i'm a yeah, florida i'm a florida know. i'm a florida boy so it's a lot of things like i've never been no more north of tennessee and that's intentional what? That's intentional because of the fact that I don't like the cold. Really? And I, I, I will go more north now, but only in the summertime. I'm done with you. You got to experience. I mean, well, you know, I don't mind the cold. I don't like the snow. That's I'm not a snow person. Yeah, but I don't I mean, mind the cold because I like full fashion. I like to dress up. I like to do all that. So. Yeah, like I, 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 I experience different things, but there's some things like I don't care to experience. Snow is one of them. Like yeah, I've never I don't seen care snow. for it either. I never seen snow, and I don't care to ever see it. Like I'm content <laughs> with life, you. with not seeing snow. I, so, I don't blame you. I don't. I don't enjoy snow. Because back to what you were saying, like when you said, um, you know, going to school. 
one of the perceptions about Haitians. Okay, quick story. So I went to FAMU, Florida A&M, okay. that's HBCU. I yep. remember I had a friend I went to school with that was going to some school in Arkansas yeah. only because, like, that was a JUCO. So JUCO yeah. is, you know what JUCO is. So yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was trying to transfer to, like, FAMU or HBCU. And right. his parents, he grew up Haitian. His his mom didn't want him to go to FAM, not because she didn't like, she was like, oh, I don't like the school because I hear every, nobody graduates from there. And keep in mind, her, his mom, wow. his mom did not go to school in America. What? This is what I'm saying. This is like the, those perceptions that they have. They and hear it from it. other people and don't do their research and, and then just continue man. to like. Exactly. And I have, yeah. a, I'm strongly against that. Like, I hate that those type of people because there's a lot of black people out here like this. They talk down about HBCUs like nobody graduates from there. Like, I'm like, right. how could a school still be functioning? Like and logically, no <laughs> logically, how but they won't even think about that. They're not, they're not making they're not, decisions off of logic. Or better yet, they probably had so and so down the block kid that went to family for a semester to a dropped out, and that's right. fine. And like, that's their life story. Yeah, for and everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like yo, every school in America, there's those students. Right. Every single I, school. Like I will tell you both that my biggest regret in life, and I say this often, my biggest regret is that I did not go to an HBCU. Yeah, I always tell. I always tell um, African my African American friends like there, there's two different groups of black people in this like that I've learned in my past like in my life, is that because I went there one when I went there it was one scholarship brought me there and two, I've said this story before on the podcast like literally I went on a college tour, and I was on campus and I seen this girl one time and imagine I was in the twelfth grade, I've never seen that girl ever again since that day but it's just how she looked. And then, like, the school was so black and rich. Like, rich as in, like, damn, it was so many beautiful black people there. Like, because I remember okay. that college tour like it was yesterday. I visited a whole bunch of schools. My number one school was this school called FAU. It's a, a school in Boca Raton, Florida. And yeah. then when I visit there, I'm like, yo, this school is too white. It was like, it's, it's nothing against that. It's just the fact that that's not what I thought it would be. Yeah. Yeah. I visit FSU, other schools throughout Florida, at least, because my scholarship was only good in the state. So I know I had to stay in the state, and I didn't mind it. But aside from the scholarship, it was this one girl to this day. I don't remember her, but I just remember that moment. She was going down the stairs, and she had a luggage in her hand, and she almost dropped the luggage. So you know when you're going down the stairs and the luggage is shaking? And yeah. she had a see-through sundress on with nothing under there, and I was sold on a school off that. <laughs> Oh my God! Helpful. I know helpful. as 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 <laughs> as guyish as that sound, that's the reality of what made me go to school. Bo, Jesus, L- no, realistically, I cannot. realistically speaking. So, back to my friend. <laughs> back to my friend with his mom. Like his mom literally was like, "Yo, I would not give you my tax information to do financial aid if you decide to go to that school." She basically was saying she would disclaim him if he decided to go there. And that really hurt me in a way, because I'm like, yo, you never know what his trajectory in life could have exactly. been if he didn't go there. You never knew. Yeah. And like now you cut him off like, yo, you don't know what he could have been. And I'm not saying he could have been the greatest football player or the greatest whatever he wanted to do, but you didn't even give him that option. You, you, you'll never know now. And, and I'm the youngest in my tribe. So my eldest sisters and brother and stuff like that. They were, well, not my brother so much, but definitely my two sisters. 
um, they, 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 they'd spent their, my sister, my eldest sister was 12 when she moved to the States. I was five. So, you know, our upbringing is a little different. Uh Um, and so they teach you, you know, culturally that you have to listen to your parents, do what they say. Your parents know best, all this other stuff. And I had it in my mind, like I said, these people, and this is no, this is no shade or no form of disrespect, but none of y'all have gone to college and none of y'all could you know come back and tell me what y'all experienced or whatever else so to me that didn't make sense i wouldn't go get i would not go and get advice about becoming wealthy from a poor man that makes no sense that makes no sense and there's nothing wrong with that to be like i have a i have a theory that especially in the island community because i can only speak on that because that's what i know is that in order sometime in order to get respect as a as a teen or a young adult in order to get respect, honestly, you have to disrespect them. Therefore, yes. what they consider disrespect. Let me not say Or disrespect. defy them. Yes, yeah. you have to. Because that was my way out. Like, I like I have some little cousins now that I'm kind of bringing under my wings. I don't want to say that to them. Because one, that's going to sound mad. Like, they don't know how to take that yet. But right. eventually, that is a goal of mine to say. But it's just that yeah. I don't think they're that You got to make sure you word it carefully in yeah. a way that they're not going to take advantage or go, you know, go wild. But, yeah, yeah. Because I yeah. don't think they're there mentally to get the concept of what I'm saying. Yeah, because you got to be responsible for that kind of stuff, too. It's not just, oh, okay, well, I'm about, I'm going to defy you, your Lord, get out of here, and then you have no plan and you fall flat on your face. I had a plan. I knew what I was doing. And, well, um, you better than me because I, I had no plan. I just went to school because I didn't want to stay in Miami. Oh, and then okay. you know everything that happened after that was just kind of happened like you know maybe i personally didn't have a plan but like like you know it's probably was just god's plan for me to be there and to and sounds the way along the way but that happens you know that happens as well yeah but i had a i always knew that i wanted to do psychology so i went to school i, I played ball and i uh i i got my degree i graduated when i was 21 uh-huh. and then um I went back, uh, like I said, I turned down the offer for overseas because at that point I decided I want to go for my master's. That's crazy. Like, what, what makes you come with that decision? Like, is it because you just didn't, you wanted to get your master's or you just didn't want to go overseas? What specifically well, at that moment that was going through your head to why you turned it down? Not, not only did I want to get my master's, really what, what, ha- what started happening to me is that I um, was... Sadly, I was running into too many coaches who were trying to sabotage me. And I've always had that since, I will say, since I since I moved out of New York, I'm from New York. Uh-huh. So when I started playing ball when I was like seven years old. And I had, you know, I was, I, I always had great coaches. I always played advanced. Like I was in seventh grade playing varsity. And the reason I could do that is because my high school was seventh through twelfth grade. So you were technically considered like a high school student. Cause it was just one building. Wait, you so did you did all your you did your high schooling in in New York or you did some in Florida? Both. Yeah, I finished it in Florida. Okay. So I started my high school in New York and I finished it in Florida. Okay. Um, but when I was in New York, I had Olympic coaches who were really invested in me. Who you know what I mean? Like, um, they 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 they, they were Olympic coaches. They played for Nike. They played for all over the world. And so I had them who were really invested, who you who, who just wanted to see me soar. Uh-huh. Now, when I moved to Florida, um, after my parents divorced in 2005, I didn't have that same kind of coaching. Um, I didn't oh, have that same coaching. I see. People who, I see what so you I mean. had to, I had to, like, really 
I had to really um, just dig deep and for myself, like, you know, just know that I wanted to do this. I see and I mean. actually I actually had my um, high school coach who I was really supposed to go to Hofstra University. Mm-hmm. And um, I found out later that she called Hofstra and told them that she didn't think that I was ready to play D1, which is absolutely crazy. What? The, the coach called this college? Right. Yeah. Wait, what, what school you went to in Orlando? Um, Eastridge. Oh, okay. I'm not familiar with that one, but that's crazy. That is absolutely crazy. So that was like the, I've Wait, never I thought, had that before. I thought coaches get. I thought coaches get brownie points for like their their ex players going to like D1. Well, let me tell you something. This lady said that she didn't think that I was ready to play D1. And mind, I had Hofstra um, had already flown me. I was going to their summer camps. I was playing with their girls, learning, you know, knowing like you know getting familiar with the team uh-huh. and when i didn't hear back or anything else like that that i found out later that that's what she did so that was you know self that was sabotage so i ended up going to play d3 last minute because a coach had saw my um mixed t- you know uh my um highlight tape yeah and was like you know we're very we're we building our team and i'd love for you to come on team build it around you and everything else and i was not gonna not go to school i had 19 different offers Damn. And I, I, I had, and our hospital was my school of choice. I, and um, I thought coaches is to their benefit if you go to like the biggest school or whatever. That's crazy. Well, yeah, if they're invested in you, but if they they have different investments, then you know what I mean. Then you, you right, you end up, you end up, you like I did. I, I um, and, I, and I'm not upset because I just think that was my route, uh-huh. and that was fine. So I went to I played D three, but I, it was like a big fish in small pond. I was dominating D three because I'm not a D three player whatsoever. Gotcha. Um, what position you play? Point guard? Combo guard. Uh, one and two guard. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, so, I, I mean, I was... My my freshman year um, in college, I was all all conference, all, all nation, all country. And I was... I, I, I dominated number one in, in, um, in points and in steals in every division. You know, so I was determined that, you know, I was going to make make something with whatever circumstance that you know i had you know i had uh-huh. and um i ended up retiring retiring my journey there i got a thousand points in my junior year um surpassed the all-time leading score there and um but the coach who the head coach who recruited me um that i went to come to come play for i really liked him and coach ben and uh this he found himself in a situation and it, it was an untrue situation because I was there and I witnessed it myself. But it was this other girl who he recruited who she came on a team and she wanted to run the show. And he was like, um, yeah, no, like the the team is built around me. And she she didn't like me. She felt some type of way. And, you know, she lied on him about sexual harassment. And I was there like Whoa. I was there. So he ended up getting fired and the assistant coach became head coach. And he was just feeling himself a little too much. And um, he ended up just, you know, just bumping heads with me for whatever reason. And I ended up finding that. So I was getting so many tryouts for overseas. And he was hiding my letters and never telling me that I was getting these, you know, what the fuck? tryouts. Yes. And I was I was three time MVP. I should have been four times, really. And he and he and, you know, he did his thing and gave it to this girl who was averaging six points. I was averaging like a double double. And, um, that's crazy. Yes. So my story is pretty crazy. And he's, he was hiding my letters from overseas. 
He, I, I was, I was, I started every game that I played in since I was in fresh, since I, since I was a freshman, and when he became head coach, he would bench me, he wouldn't start me. It was all kinds of crazy stuff. So I felt like I had enough of basketball and the sabotage that was going through it. Like it shouldn't be this hard to like do what I love to do because that's what my you. number one love. I guess back I then, just, just, back then, uh, college athletes wasn't just transferring like that. Now niggas is transferring a heartbeat. Yeah, and, and also too, I was I was dating, and I made a student. And I, if anyone's listening, please do listen to me. Any young ladies who's listening to me, please, <laughs> please, please, and I beg of you, do not make life decisions for a boyfriend. If that's not your husband, that is your, Do listen, not make life decisions. I tell people according to a boyfriend. I told somebody. I I told this one. I said this last last podcast episode. I was like, yo, if you're in college listening right now. Two years, you shouldn't be in a relationship. Your freshman year and your senior I agree. year. Because your freshman year, you're just trying to figure out shit. Your senior year, the minute you graduate, I don't want you to make a decision on, I should stay here because of whoever I'm with. Because yeah, you never know where tough. life leads you. It's, it's tough. I made that decision because Hafsha was contact, contacting me back after I was putting up so many numbers my freshman year. I was dating somebody and I was like, oh, I don't want to leave. Like, stupid. Um, but I mean, I, I can't, everything happens for a reason. And I don't know what my life story would have been if I did go to Hofstra and whatever else, but I decided to stay. And, um, I just, that, to, to be honest, like I felt like coaches after my New York coaches ruined basketball for me. And I, it, it, it took away the love and the joy I had for the game. It became like a chore. You know what I mean? Wow. That is interesting. Yeah, it became a chore for me. That I did, didn't have the same effect, and sometimes it really pains me to watch basketball. Sometimes still because I feel like you know that should have been my story. That's what or, I was gonna get at. So like, you, yeah. you do you watch? You follow basketball now? Not as much as I used to. Um, not as much as I used to. Like I said, sometimes I just really feel like, dang, like that. I that you know, yeah, I get it. I get but, it. But you know, anyway, it's, it's it I'm is, not. It is. Regret anything. I feel like I'm. I found the path that I'm supposed to be now. Um, you know, like I said, as an author now, motivational speaker. Yeah, that's good. Um, and listen to some people like what you're saying that what you went through. Some people they could have shut down. They could have shut down right. and became nothing in life. To be real with you. Yeah, for so real. You kind of just adapt, basically. And I, I admire people that's able to adapt regardless of the situation. I prefer I somebody that. like that versus any any other type of person. I appreciate that. That means a lot to me. Yeah. So, okay. So, you got... Back to the book now. <laughs> okay. So, the book, I like I said, I wrote it in 2018. Um, I, people always tell me all the time, you know, did you always aspire to be an author? And my honest answer is no. I never had it in my mind that, like, oh, especially children's books. Like, I probably thought about writing my own autobiography, but... Um, I didn't have that in my mind, and especially not about Colin Kaepernick because it's mad random. Yeah, um, but I now that I now that I think, hold on one second. You know, now that I think about it, like I'm like, children's book is probably like one of the best bets when it comes to writing books. And it's also more difficult than writing a, an adult's book, to be honest with you. It is. It is, and I'll tell you why. So, I mean, I'm. I'm a gifted writer. I've always had that um, skill since I was a little girl. Um, my my in seventh grade, my English teacher, Miss Jexel, I'll never forget. She told my mom, she told my mother, your daughter is bored in my class, and she suggested that my, they move me up from seventh to tenth grade. And um, because I was playing basketball, because I loved my coaches in New York, I did I didn't want to make that move. Um, 
so I, there was a lot of things that I, if I, I, I could have done, should have done, and, you know, who knows where I would have been, but I, I always knew that I had a, a gift for writing. And um, when I write, so if I'm writing an adult book, right? You're an adult, I'm an adult. I could write it in the way in, in, in the way that I would understand it, you know, cognitively, intellectually, and then you would be able oh, to understand okay. it the way that I write it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. From a child's perspective, I can't write anything that I want to write in my intellect, in my cognition, because that's not their level of understanding. Curious, so, curious question. When you was uh -huh. writing this book, did you ever have yep. like one of your younger nephew, niece, or sibling? Well, you don't have a younger sibling since you said you're the youngest, but like any person who's like kids and your family read it over just to get their opinion? Oh, yes. My nephews and nieces are obsessed with this book. They read it over and over and over. Like, I can't tell you how many times they read it. And actually, in my second book, B is for Brotherhood. Um, the opening scene in it with the children are my, um, two of my, my eldest niece and nephew, uh, Julie and Nathan. They're reading a book with me because they're always reading with me in real life, actually. So um, that first page is me me and them. Wow. Okay. Um, so they were, so, yeah. were kind of like reading it over, making sure like how you, how, yes, if you were to write. Like, yes, making sure that they understand, making sure that, you know, they're, they're able to tell me in their own words what they're reading, what, you know, what, what they're learning. Because it's not just reading. I want you to know, what, like, what are you learning from this, too? So when okay. I saw that they were able to break it down and understand, then I knew that, okay, so they were like my test uh, children. Then I knew <laughs> that if, when I put this out, you know, nationally, then other children are going to go get are gonna get it. And my niece, my nephew's 10 and my niece is 7. Okay, that so, was going to be my next question. So what is, this, what is this age group? What is the age group for a book? How does that work? Because keep in mind, like, growing up, like, I grew up fucked up. I mean, I, like, later on in life, I realized how... My normal, my normal was fucked up, but I thought that was normal. Not until I got older and I'm realizing, oh, I really did grow up fucked up. Because, like, my auntie who raised me is a teacher and we never talked about school shit at the house. Ever. Okay. But that's a different story for a different day. But um, what is the age group of this book like? So, I, it's... It says it's intended for seven and up, but my, but then my books are really interesting in in this manner. Uh -huh. I've read at the daycare level, which is like anywhere from three years old to you know three to six. Uh -huh. I've read at the collegiate level, you know, college students and everything else. My books are at the Yale bookstore, so imagine. Okay. Um, there's four Broward College has used my books. Southern Vermont has used my book. Pikes Peak has used my books. So while it is a children's book, I tell people all the time it's really not. It's a everybody's book, and that just that's not a that's not even just coming from me. It, you know, if you read the reviews that's left on Amazon and everything else, yeah. parents will buy it and will tell you that. This book is not only just for children. Parents should be reading this book. Students should be reading this book. Teachers should be reading this book. Everybody should be reading this book and they should be having conversation around this book as well. So, okay. In, okay. In I'm terms a, of like how I wrote it, uh -huh. it's, it's in poetry. Um, I love poetry. Oh my um, God. I hate, uh, I hate reading poetry, but I love to hear poetry. That makes sense. Like I always get confused when I'm reading it because reading it in poetry, is, you, you, you have to read it differently. What do you, and what do you mean? Like when I'm reading poetry on paper, I have to yeah. read. It has to be read differently than regular. If I'm reading a normal book, 
So I never get half of the stuff I'm supposed where I should be getting when it comes after like maybe after I see somebody performing that that same poetry I just read. Yeah, it's completely yeah. different than how I read it. So then how you and how you how you read on your own? Yeah, because well, I, I think that I think that you will actually really enjoy how this is written. Well, so to go back in term to go back. By the way, by the about, way, listeners. Um, we're going to talk about this towards the end, about how to get the book, where the book could be found, and things like that. But I just want to make sure I put that out there. And I'm probably going to add the link to get the book on the description as well for people that's interested in it. But go ahead. Thank you very much. So, in terms of how I wrote it, um, really, and I tell people, I, like, it starts out, the first book, The Hero in the Helmet, starts out with Colin Kaepernick as a child. It starts all the way from him as a baby up until you know he he just makes the decision to kneel uh-huh. and um how it's written and the content that's in it is written to make the reader think it's i i've read i mean i am an avid reader so i've read books my entire life i wasn't i was that nerd like i don't watch tv i'd rather read a book oh my god i'm like yeah com- i'm complete when i was younger I never read. I only read shit that had to do with my class. And the older oh I get, yeah, I was that kid. Like, I never read until I got older. Like, now I'm reading books voluntarily. Like, whether I was in grade school, in college, I never read unless I had to read it. So. I was the complete opposite. Like, my most prized possession was my library card. Are you kidding me? Oh my when God. my sister got me that library card in my life, I, I, that was like the best thing that she could ever do. Oh, you that kid. Yes, <laughs> my mom will be looking for me like real story. My mom will be looking for me like where's Joe? Where's and I, I? There's um when we used to live in Long Island, um there um in my room there used to be like this other room like a walk-in room like a closet and then you could like really set up like an office in there uh-huh. and I would be lost in there reading and they'd come find me I'd be in there reading and reading reading and writing and practicing my penmanship. That's dope. I say yeah, I always so- say when I have my own kids it won't be that case but yeah. Like I didn't, I didn't grow up on that at all. And keep in mind, I grew up with a teacher in the house. So, but anyway. So yes, my it's written in a way. It's not too um, intellectual. Hello. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Okay, it's not too intellectual. Like I said, that's the difference between um, writing from an adult to adult perspective and an adult to a child perspective. Because a good teacher is one who subjects can retain information, learn information, and then offer something, you know, meaningful to that conversation. So if I'm writing it and I'm only writing it in big words, then I don't edify anybody except myself. That is so it, it's really an art how to, I don't want to say this because it's not a dumbing down, but you have to learn how to, you know, intellectually put something into kid terms. Yeah. Um, and you, you're seeing, you know, eye to eye with them. Yeah, and um, there is there is power in simplifying things sometimes. Yes. Like, isn't it? You yes. don't always have to make shit, like, sound so wordy or big. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And the other thing, too, is the topic that we're talking about. Racism and police brutality are two topics that, you know, our society um, stay away from. Gotcha. You know? we It's a tense topic. Especially if in you, school. Absolutely. So You're that's not that, that, about that, that leads all. that leads to my next question. When you say that, um, 
do you want I, I know you mentioned something about being in a curriculum so you want this book to be how do you want this book to be in like school curriculums is that your goal or is that a goal of yours or is that happening oh that's already happening this okay. is that's already happening that um when i had these books in mind like i said it's because two reasons mm-hmm. one i was inspired by Colin kaepernick's movement obviously because he didn't do anything wrong he was this man is, was exercising his constitutional rights yeah. of freedom of speech freedom of assembly and everything else and to see him denied you know um a job because he took a knee is just gross it's a stain on the nfl that cannot like that would never go away and i per i personally do not watch the nfl at all because of that since since that took place to be to be honest with you i see where you're coming from and i say the same thing because colin kaepernick to me is like my our version of muhammad ali because i wasn't alive when that was happening correct i just could read about it but correct correct but it's just the fact that at this point it's like so it's, it's sadly like we we could honestly say he ain't getting a job and and that pains me that pains me and i'm not going to speak that in an atmosphere because i don't know that and mm-hmm. i would you know um i would love to be wrong you know i you, we don't we just don't know yet don't. and I, 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 i'm i'm big in to like you know speaking the things that are not as though they were Please, and just have too. the power of words and how you know even scientifically, scientifically, apart from spiritually, you know, evidence says that there's literally this, what you say ha, ha, um, has, has sends vibrations out into the universe, and it has an effect on how the you know the world. Yeah. So, okay. Are you are you an energy person? Just curious. Um. So, I, be, I be, we're energy bodies. So you know, I'm a spiritual person first and foremost. But you know, all that stuff is really the same meaning. It is. Actually. So yes, in okay. short. Because okay. um, I'm the same way. Because there's certain things that I I refuse to think about or sometimes even say. Yeah, not because, I won't. Not because I don't acknowledge them. I do. It's just the fact yes. that I'm not gonna put that out there in a way. Absolutely, like little things. I like, will, you know, if I if I want to see it happen, I will speak it into existence until you know I see the manifestation of it. Yeah. Like or I, otherwise. I believe. Like ever since the whole Kaepernick thing happened, it literally show. It, aside from that, and I have some friends that I went to school with that's in the NFL right now. Right now, and they be telling me like the littlest things. And aside from that, I listen to oh another podcast I would recommend you listen to is uh, Nico Grimes. It's okay. called it's um I heart I our heart I heart Nico podcast. It's Nico Grimes is a wife of an NFL. Well, I think he's retired now, but uh, ex NFL player. Yeah, and she talk about like the grimy shit that goes on in the NFL. Uh, yeah, like, between Calvin Kaepernick and Calvin Kaepernick and some of the people I know in the NFL and her. I despise the, the 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 business that is the NFL. It is gross. I do. It is gross. I, it's I mean, th- there's a business in everything in other sports too. Because like my top two sports is basketball and soccer. Okay. And I always say, if I have kids and they decide to do sports, I would literally never turn on the TV when I see football, just to not let get them give them the idea. Now, if they grow up and they decide that's what they like, and I and I'm not that's out of my control, so I'm gonna let them do yeah, them. Yeah, you know, and that's out of your day. control, but but I I would purposely turn off the TV anytime somebody would ever play football in the house. I would I would t- I would even tell you to go a step f- further and have those conversations about it why you're not in favor of an NFL because that's the other thing too is when parents uh, and, and and also that leads me back to my book too and why I write it. 
sometimes we believe as parents when we don't have those conversations with them and then we just like, you know, ban them or we forbid mm-hmm. them to do something that they won't get the information. No, they'll get the information and sometimes it's incorrect information. You know what I mean? It is. It is. I read it and did it for me. Correct. I read it and did it for me. So when you sit with them and you say, you know what? The NFL, you know that you, it, this is this is the business of the NFL. This is why I'm not in support of the NFL. This is what they did to Colin Kaepernick. This is what they did to you know. You can go go down and name the names. Then education is the most powerful tool for how people make decisions. So if they're if they're not if they have enough knowledge about that, and also if they have enough conscience and morality about that, they're likely to say, mm, you know what, I'm good on the NFL because you know my father educated me about that. And I know the story of Colin Kaepernick or what so, you know, and they're likely to not do it because they have the information, you know, to aid them to do it. So, yeah, well, he that, said that is exactly that, that. that Yeah, I can't put it any better than that, because um, and, you know, growing up in Miami, I want to say I want to not watch the NFL. Like, I don't really watch games, but I check up on it only because, like, I grew up on it. Uh-huh. It's diff is I want to give it up so bad, but it's like self-consciously. I'm sure over time I will, but right now yeah. I still check up on like my my home team, the Dolphins, is garbage. But I still uh-huh. check up to see how garbage they are. <laughs> like how bad is it? And I'm like, and I look at the score. I'm like, damn, it's pretty bad. Yeah, but <laughs> I it's completely just, get. I completely get it. And I I recruit people not to watch it. If I recruit, I recruit. And I know. I mean, I know. When you, habitually when you've done something for so long it is difficult for you to kind of pull away from it yeah. but then i liken that to see because i i i have revolutionary blood inside of me you know what i mean like i liken that to like rosa parks or you know um martin luther king or any of these civil rights leaders before us who you know they were do they had a routine they were doing their thing and habitually doing their thing but you know and our nation, this is where we lack as a community, is that no one, not or the collective, is not willing to say, you know what, we're not shopping here at, at um, this place. We're not watching the NFL altogether at once. Because that has a ripple effect, you get what I'm saying? Yes, but you have is. pockets of people who are saying, okay, well, I'm not going to do this here, and I'm going to do And it really doesn't have the effect that it should have. When it that doesn't. Montgomery bus boycott took place, it's because all of all, everybody, I mean, the majority... You can't say everybody, but the majority of black people are saying, enough, we're not riding that bus anymore. And it, it had such an effect on the economy <clears throat> that they had to rule in their favor, you know, to change those laws. And I think that's, you know, it when you talk about in terms of freedom and pursuing um, rights, it, 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 it is 100% about you giving up something short term to see a long term effect. Effect, yeah, it's a sacrifice. But I mean, it's aside from that, us as a community, when I say us, I mean black people, it's like, I don't really think the power of black dollar that I thought everybody knew, the power we have, I don't think people really know that. Like, the at least the trillion people in my Trillion dollar circle. buying power. Trillion dollars. You see, I, I, I don't even like to say that because I like to be realistic where I'm like, okay, even people in my circle, because I believe, I'm a strong believer in like, you know, you, you, you it's like, if you want the world to change, you got to be the change you want to see. But at the same Correct. time, I'm like, in order for me to be that change, in order for me to, to want to see change, I have to act like that or educate that around my peers, the people I communicate with, my family members, my friends, my circle, my coworkers, whatever it is. So I get like, I don't think they know. Like, I thought they knew even th- even my family member. I was just talking to my auntie the other day about certain shit. And like, I have a little cousin 
that um he's about 15 16 and there's yeah. certain things that i thought he would know by now because i'm like yo when i was 15 16 i knew these things but i had to remember like you know we grew up different one and two like the he's they're very sheltered and i have to tell the mom like okay. yo yes i get what you're saying you know you know you scared about that because as a mom that's your son but you got to get reality like he want okay for example right. he want he want to learn how to drive soon and i'm coming to the conclusion that i'm going to be the the person ending up to teach him how to drive because the parents act like they're too busy but at the same time i'm 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 i want to bring to his attention of the fact that yo this is what are you going to do when you get stopped by the police i haven't right. come up to him yet to get to that i will but i'm like and I was just having small talk with the mom, and she was she was like, "No, there's no need for that." I'm like, "What you mean? There's no need for that?" What do you mean? That <laughs> happens. Tamir Rice was 12 years old. I, I, I'm astonished when I hear things like that. All right, what you do know? you mean? And you know, we have immigrant parents, so they're just like when they hear authority, they're just like and they're scared. scared. Of and I'm like, "What are you don't scared?" Know the rights, which goes back to education. The As- most you, aside you're empowered from that, by what you know, or disempowered by what you don't know. No, you know like I mean? yo, they're authority, but they're not somebody you should fear. Yeah, that's yeah. They, you know, it's like that, and. So I, I I'm I'm not saying I, I I say this all the time because I don't I'm not biased because this is my book but I first of all this book is I can I cannot even just take the credit for this book at, on my own because I know that God really gave me this book in full like you know in content and illustrations my illustrator fabulous Audrey Hernandez from Venezuela fabulous fabulous captured everything that I wanted to capture in the book but. All these illustrations were like God giving out images. Like I knew what to write, I knew what to say, I knew what to, you know, how I wanted the pages to look um, right away. Like I, I, I just knew what it, what it should be, and um, I would strongly urge, especially you know anyone listening, and for you as well, because you have you know, your nephews, black boys especially need to be reading this book because it's those topics that parents want to have with their kids but they're too afraid to have them or they don't know how to have it but like you said not having something does not make it go away so you 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 not having that conversation doesn't make racism and police tally go away it doesn't doesn't. it's still happening and the best thing that you could do is educate your children educate you know have those conversations with your children but you know better prepared you know the middle ground i'm trying to get to before i start those conversations with my like my family members because i always feel like i want to help the world in my heart but in reality i'm like yo i need to start with who i'm able to reach for real that's how that's my version of helping the world and that's how you do reach the world actually that's my version of reaching the world like i love the i volunteer a certain things sometimes but i'm like yo realistically i would want to mentor but i would rather mentor my family members because it's like I'm not a fan of you know wanting to fix some wanting to fix outside when your when your house is broken in a way. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I'm a strong believer in that. So it's just you know things like that that. But we gotta uh, let me get to this point real quick. So you say your book is in certain school curriculums. Correct. Like you didn't get no blowback from that just because of the nature of the book and stuff like that. I'm just curious. Um, no, or no difficulties. Really. No difficulties about like trying to get it I in curriculums. No, not at all. I can only tell you of one story, and I and I mean one. And I, it's coming up in May. Of what state? What state Florida. is your books? Is your books in curriculums in Florida? And no, no, no. Florida is the one state that I got pushback from. Oh, that okay. Was the story I, I was well, going to tell you. 
Okay, but uh, New York, um, you know, Boston, uh, Philadelphia. Um, there's so many states I can't even think. Um, but yeah, I, it's like basically like schools or what I noticed seeing is that this book, people have been waiting on a book like this. You get what I'm saying? And just didn't know, didn't know that they were waiting on a book like this. They were waiting to have this conversation, didn't know how to go about it. So now that it's here, it's present. They're ready to teach it, especially, too, because multicultural diversity is becoming a big thing in schools and diversity and inclusion is a big thing in schools. Um, this book fits right up the alley with uh, what they're trying to teach and their curriculum as well. So, um, no, I don't really get any pushback at all with it. And the one story that I did have pushback happened in Florida, of course. OK, no um, surprise there, but go ahead. No surprise there. I had um, was contracted to come read um, to a class on Friday, and I won't name the school, but um, oh, this is recently. This was last year. Okay. No, yeah, this was last year. Like maybe December or January. Actually, I'm trying to think now. Okay. Um, so I got contracted to read on a Friday. The kids absolutely love the book too, because that's the other thing too. Like I, I write, I read it how it's written, but also I tailor the conversation to my audience. So got I can it. read to a, a child of two, two years old, and make them understand it. They're not going to understand how racism worldwide, but I'll break it down into like, okay, well, what would you think if? If only the brown-eyed um, kids could only get water and not the blue-eyed kids. Well, that's not fair. And so I liken it to that, where they could make, you know, they could relate um, things in their world that would make sense. Um, if I'm having conversations with a college person, obviously, then I can change my language and change my, you know. So I tailor it to who's my who my audience is. But the kids absolutely love the book. So, of course, you know, when children learn things, they always go back home and they tell their parents, you know, I had an author come to read his book, da da da, da and one of the kids was telling his parents about it. And the this parent, is in Florida. This is in Florida. Uh huh. So the parent went, I believe, purchased the book on Amazon, and um, when she read it, she was furious about it, um, and proceeded to leave um, a comment on my my website. And just like, oh, this book is, you know, just was going in about what she thought this book was and wasn't. And um, by Monday, she and um, I, I, I think that you could guess these race of people. Um, by, by Monday, <laughs> she had gotten a coalition of parents to go into the school. And um, they had that teacher fired by Monday. So I read on Friday. And they what? Had by Monday, yes. The teacher? Yes, fired. And this little this this teacher never had discipl disciplinary action before. Was never written up. Was never so really. That's question. Um, question was the teacher black or? Yes, the teacher was black. Okay, go ahead. Um, I told her that she had a case and she needed to pursue that, but um, because there's call, you know, she should have at least got a verbal warning or a written notice or anything else. They fired her and she never had anything prior. Uh huh. Um, so you know, they. I literally I read on Friday. On Monday, she was fired. Wow. So that was the only pushback I've ever had. And it's coming up on two years since I've been, um, you know, started my journey of authorship. But Man, you sure you, you, you sure you don't want to spill out the name of that school? Just for... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, yep. But, so. you know, 
I used to um side note from that, you know, before that's basically filing like a complaint. I'm a I used to think like filing a complaint was like uh layman's terms, that was like I thought that was like a white people shit to do. Yeah. And the older I get, the more I'm realizing, yo, sometimes you're not gonna get heard. Black people better start filing complaints. Like me, I'm news. now the past two years, I'm the king of I'm sending an email. I'm sending an email to corporate. I'm not even oh, calling. I am good for that. I'm sending an email because it's in writing. I am so good for that. I and am. I, a, I am. A, I want to. I want to speak to corporate. I'm writing a letter. I'm leaving reviews. All that shit. I'm doing all kinds of stuff. I'm telling Believe people me. that's listening right now the littlest things. We live in a social media age right now. I promise you, if you at that company, you had a bad customer review at Target. You at Target right now. Target. This customer service is bad. I promise you. They will reply, or they will let you. They will make sure you're hurt in some way, shape, or form. In some way, shape, or form, because they don't want that attached to their reputation. And, and that, white people are so good at that, and yeah. black people need to become need to learn how to become good at that. I, I am. Yeah. That I will send that. I will send that email in a second. Yeah. Yep. Because that that that's something I had, and I'm like, when you said the mom did that, I'm like, you know what? What what would happen if like more black people would do that about certain things? Exactly, but yeah, but but you, you, if you had black mothers who were uh, forming coalition of parents um, when they're teaching your your black children about Christopher Columbus, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Then they mm-hmm. would, you know, you all your, your children are going to school and they're learning white history and and, and as if that it could because white supremacy and white privilege assumes normalcy. Listen, so, aside aside from that, even into the, something in today's time, I was reading somewhere where they're trying to bring LGBTQ history into classrooms, and uh-huh. I have absolutely no problem with that. But I always tell people, nigga, we ain't even get black history in all of schools yet. Can we get the blacks one in there first? Not Let me not say in there first. In there as if it's like normal history before we attack that. But that's just my opinion. I realize you know? that. I'm a like I have no issue with LGBT history being there, but I, one I feel like it. it, it uh, in other words, I feel like it hasn't been. I'm not gonna say LGBT ain't been around forever. It's just the fact that history wise, because first of all, I don't even know all the letters, and I have I to, <laughs> and I tell people, yo, we ain't even get Black history on the map in every school. Like when I was in school, the only Black history I got was Martin Luther King. Rosa Parks. And exactly. That's it. And I've heard of Malcolm X because of the movie. Like, we and ain't they, even... they ain't talking about no Malcolm X in schools now. They no ain't. way. They ain't. They ain't talking <laughs> they about ain't Malcolm talking X in school. school. They, they but that was also my motivation too in, in writing about this Colin Kaepernick too because the the trend that I noticed as well is that they have the same recycled names. The Harriet Tubman, Rosa Parks, and Martin Luther King. Those were the three people you were going to hear about. Um, and and I and, and it's it, it's not until you well I was a little different because I like I said I love to read since I was a child but how many people are like that and it's not until you you get into your adult years that you're learning about other people uh, Nelson Mandela and all these other people that you know doing notable things and if you would have been learning that as a child and you were seeing that representation of you that was validating your experience and existence you know that would have really changed um, perception so I said to myself why are we waiting. For black leaders, historical leaders, or black activists, people who are doing um, amazing things to die before before we recognize them, that is you know, so that's crazy. So my books really came out as roses that Colin Kaepernick can smell while he's still alive, you know. 
Uh, imagine if Martin Luther King, Malcolm X were, you know, reading books about themselves that other people were writing about them. You know what I mean? Question. Um, because, go ahead. Do you, do you know if he read it or not? Did you ever get any confirmation so, if he ever read it or know that this book exists at least? Yes, I do know that he knows that this book exists and people ask me all the time, well, you know, why does he work with you? Well, I'm a patient person. I believe that everything that is supposed to be will always be. And it's, and it's early. It's early. It's early. I'm chilling. That's not that's not that's not my real motivation. You get what I'm saying? I'm I want to change lives. Mm -hmm. So, when I'm going into schools, I do that every day. You know, when I go to schools and I and little black boys and little black girls write me letters letting them know that they read this book and how it's changed their lives that that's 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 really my mind right now you know okay. um and you know I, I i i i did a reading where two little black boys came from harlem and they like you said they had a rough upbringing um and they they see that police brutality all the time they're victims of it and when they they cried when I handed them the I, you know, I when I handed them the book and they said that this book is going to change their life and they were going to they were going to share it with their friends and other people like that that's the, that's the type of stuff that keeps me going. So my my number one motivation right now is like oh not when is Colin Kaepernick going to recognize me? That, I mean that'd be great. Not not, rec not just just the fact that yeah. he knows he knows the book exists is what yes, I'm asking. Yeah. So, okay, that's but, good. You know, that's my daily work and I, that's that's what I that's what I focus on. Okay, that's good. That's good to know. So, what are you? What? What do you? What's What's up next? I know it's soon. <laughs> I know it's soon. You want all my secrets? And well, I know. And I know this could. You know, you could be like me, where like you could say one thing today, and then next month it may change, and that's fine. Yeah. So if you could yeah. give us one thing, well, what is next <laughs> from here? I I do have something that I'm working on that I've been working on for the past couple months, and I can't. I can't release it just yet, but just know that it is going to change the trajectory of how black history is being studied forever. Okay. On top of these books that um, are, that I've written, um, it is going to drastically change the way that educational systems um, teach black history and that black people, white people, Asian people, any all people mm -hmm. are learning about black achievement and uh black excellence because the truth is black history is not relegated to 28 days of february black history is timeless and black is. history is american history it is so, it is it is i find i find black history month very offensive because no one can point me to which month is white history month <laughs> that is a good point that is a good point but i i i i think um well Correct me if I'm wrong or add on to it or whatever the case is. I think that is more so because before then, they wasn't even recognizing black people to be part of history at all. So why That's we, what I'm saying. We needed to... This is exactly what I mean when I say white privilege assumes normalcy. White achievement seems normal. It's, it assumes normalcy. Like, oh, okay, well, you're supposed to learn about white people. White people are supposed to be achieving. White people are supposed to be doing that. No. Yeah. No, no. Mm -mm. I think... Um, that. I always say this. It's like, yo, you never know... Like in order for you to be, cause I'm I'm comfortable with myself as a person, and right. I and I realized I didn't get this comfortable or I didn't get to where I am right now till like I knew my history or knew who I am as a person, and like for example, you know this podcast is mostly like Haitian Caribbean based, and I have a lot of talks with like some friends that's not from the islands or that's just black, and right. one of the common things that I've got from them is that yo I like this podcast because of the fact that. 
you know, you guys are so prideful or you guys mm-hmm. like, and I can't help but like feel sad in a way because it's like, yo, they don't really know where they come from. In a yeah. Way. Self-love. We lack that. And um, they don't really work. Cause I, I feel like once you know your history, like, you know, you're unstoppable cause you know who you absolutely. are. And a lot you of people like, know where you're going. You don't know where you're from. You exactly. Can't. Exactly. And I appreciate people now that's trying to like, there's people that are trying to find where they're going or you got, I have friends who like, you know, they travel. So they try to go to certain places to like, absolutely. and I always tell, especially my African-American friends, I always tell them like, yo, and it's sad because a lot of them, they don't have, like their grandparents or they don't have generations that like trickle down some history or some knowledge yeah. to them, mm-hmm. sadly enough so it's just difficult in that sense so yeah it really correct. is and so we have to be those ones then that like i said like so like we have to be the ones then that are leaving that kind of information or passing down the, those legacies and stories and things like that that we wish that we would have had. So, like, long after I'm gone, I hope that these books will still serve as, you know, historical um, artifacts for the next generation to come pick up and learn about, you know. Um, If I'm not here, Colin Kaepernick is not here, and whatever else is, you know, Eric Reed and Kenny Stills, because they're part of my second book, LeBron James, they're not there. They, They can still learn, you know, about who these people were, and at the time that it was happening, and you know, you know, just I think I feel very honored, and and I feel to be a part of that, and to to um to have started that kind of movement. So that's you know, that's good, that's great. I'm not gonna lie. Well, well, before we end that topic here, let the people know where I'm gonna put the description. I'm gonna put the links in my in the description in this episode okay. description. But let okay. the people listening know where they could find your book. And where they could leave a review for your book, because that's I know that's also important. Because I do yes. podcasts, and I realize how leaving a review is important. Because absolutely, like I'm a person before I read a book or watch a movie, I watch a trailer or read something about it. Yeah, or word Me of mouth. Too. Me so too. Let them know. Promote it right now. Go for it. <laughs> so you for for those of you listening again, my book are, my books are called The Hero in the Helmet, Colin Kaepernick, and B is for Brotherhood. You can get them on my website www.joamcnally.com that's j-o-a-m-a-c-n as in nancy a-l-i-e dot com um you can go that route if you want specialized copies autograph <coughs> copies uh you just have to leave your name your address and things like that there's a contact information form on my my page that would direct you to all of that and i i'll ship it that out to you or you can also get them on amazon and barnes and noble um, you can leave a review on Amazon. You can leave testimonials on my page as well. Um, you know, write down your honest opinions about what you felt, uh, how, how it made you feel, you know, if you shared it with your child or niece or nephew or little brother, whoever, you know, how did they feel about it? Um, I love to hear those stories. Um, I get a lot of pictures from all over the world of people I don't even know who have found my books, who send me pictures all the time. I love to repost those things. So definitely feel free to find me on social media. On Instagram, I'm Joa.McNally. On Facebook, Joa McNally. And Twitter, Joa the Author. Um, hit me up. Send me, you know, a, a, a message. Send me pictures. And, you know, um, Bo is going to graciously put the link up on his um, 
podcast. So, you know, feel free to, to, to click the link there. And again, Bo, I really want to say thank you for having me on Zoe View. And I look forward to having you on my show, Monday Matters, soon. Definitely, definitely. Well, we're not going to end it here yet, but definitely. I can't okay. wait. I'm looking forward to that. I just want to ask, because, um, yes, I will post the link on the description. But before we end it... um. A few weeks ago, I asked the listeners to send us some questions that they want okay. us to ask or talk about. And I've last episode, I answered a lot of them, but I can't. I told I told people that I will promise I will get to all of them. So I'm trying. Okay. To, I'm not gonna have a full episode about them anymore, but I will have like one or two questions. So I want to end one question before we leave. This is okay. a question from a listener, and they were they choose to remain anonymous. So I'm gonna respect their wishes for now. Okay. This is a random <laughs> question. This first question is: uh, Is watching porn in a relationship considered cheating? Is watching porn in a relationship considered cheating? Correct. Um, I really What's think that. Excuse me. No, nah, go ahead. What's your opinion on that? I would say that that is something that you and your partner should be having conversations about prior to dating. I literally, I, I seriously believe in dating intentionally and not this new generation of dating. So, you know, you guys have no, you know, there should be clear guidelines, clear understanding of what is appropriate for this person and finances and, you know, politics and religion and even pornography. If that, if that's, you know, the, 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 the topic of choice, you guys should know ahead of time how y'all feel about that so you guys are not bumping heads later on about that but i would say that as a therapist i've had these conversations enough to know that pornography gets in the way of a healthy relationship because what happens is that one person becomes vested in a fantasy world and so they're almost abandoning abandoning or neglecting their partner their, you know, their reality part, the significant other that they have in real life to pursue, you know, a fantasy world. And that leaves feelings of, un, you know, being unwanted, feeling unloved, unworthy, um, which leads to depression, anxiety and all these mental illnesses. So gotcha. I would not recommend it. Um, but how but, about you know, it sound like you're giving me you throwing on your um, therapist hat on and give me this answer. So, how about you personally, in your opinion? No, yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't know that it's cheating, but I just don't, I don't, I personally don't think it's appropriate. I don't think it's appropriate. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Ah, well. How about you? How about you? Me personally, um, yes, I do believe one that's subjective, based on every relationship should be different. As in, like, right. you guys should definitely have that conversation. Right. But I don't consider it cheating either way personally i mean it is weird because i had an ex that like she will she would i was asleep and i woke up to her watching porn huh yeah i know that's that's a whole other story <laughs> that's a whole other story for another episode but um yeah like i just think yeah i don't i didn't think it was cheating or nothing like that i just thought it was just a little strange that was just something i'm not used to yeah but something like that i definitely feel like it should be a conversation and yes i do believe that porn people t- once again, I believe too much of anything is, isn't good. Yes. And too much of porn isn't good for someone or a couple only because, like, you're living in a fantasy world that, um, you know, that may not be, like, that's not reality in a way. Right, right, so, right. But, so, yes. So, definitely. That's for sure. Yes. So, 
Um, that's all I got for you, listener, that asked that question. So if you're doing that in your relationship, just at least make sure the other person knows. Or yes. I mean, there's some people that's into that that watch it together. That's if that's what y'all like. That's even if better. that's I mean, hey, that then y'all had a conversation about it and y'all felt like y'all made it work. Then that's on y'all. But you know, definitely, definitely. So that's on y'all. Then that's so so be it. So that's that is also my my opinion or my statement on that. So, anyways, we're gonna end it here. Thank you, thank you very much again for being a guest here. Um, once again, listeners, uh, I will drop the link. For the book in the description and all that information. Uh tell them one more time where they could find you on social media. On Instagram, I'm Joa dot McNally. Again, that's J O A dot M A C N A L I E. On Facebook, Joa McNally, and on Twitter, Joa the author. Dope. And my website again is www.joamcnally.com. Dope, dope, dope. So you guys check her out and don't forget you could um Follow me also if if for anybody that's listening right now, you're a first time listener. You could also follow me at Bonos B O E K N O W Z Z. That's on Twitter and Instagram, and you can follow the podcast just Zoview Podcast on any platform. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please don't forget to leave a review, subscribe, and share. We're on Sound. Well, we're not on SoundCloud anymore, but we're on uh, iTunes, Spotify. Uh, Spotify, that's not even the right word. Spotify, <laughs> iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, iHeartRadio, which is something we're on recently. So, shout out to iHeart. And um, thank you for listening. Until next time.